Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and you are listening to Your Daily Drive. Your Daily Drive is the podcast where we put our article content in audio format so that you can listen to it on the run. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to talk about hope today, what you hope in, how the importance of hope, why it's so significant, why, why we need to be hoping in the right thing. You see, everybody hopes in something. There's hope in all of us. We're kind of made that way. But sometimes our hope can be in the wrong things. And when it's in the wrong things, especially when difficulty and sadness comes, it can derail us and debilitate us, drive us to despair. And I know that you know, you already know the answer to the question, that your hope should be in Christ. And I know that you know that. But knowing something intellectually and living it out functionally, well, that can be those could be two different stories. And so I hope that'll be an encouragement to you. I hope it will challenge you. Now, perhaps you want to read this podcast on your own. I would encourage you to do that. We have articles here in addition to this one that you can read. One particularly is on cynicism. Cynicism is that numbing effect that comes over our lives after we have hoped and our hopes have been dashed and we find ourselves in in despair in those deep troubled times of our lives. And if you're not careful, you can become a cynic and you want to guard against that. So perhaps you want to read that article And, of course, maybe you want to share this one here uh, that I am talking about, uh, about hope, and that you want to share that with one of your friends. I would encourage you to do that so you can get together and talk. That's the big deal. That's the big idea, that you get together with somebody and that you talk to them. and Or maybe you need to pull somebody else out of the ditch who is struggling with whatever trouble that's going on in their lives. Use this podcast and this article to help them. The title of the podcast, the title of the article is, When Hope Drives You Insane. Where you place your hope will determine how you finish your journey. You will either live well or die hard, depending on what makes up your hopefulness. Now, I want to get into that in just a moment, but I haven't done this in a while, and so I want to share with you uh, some folks who have recently become supporters of our ministry, and the reason that I want to do it, well, I have two reasons, actually. One, I want you to know there are real people who are underwriting this ministry, and I want you to praise God for those people who are doing that. And then perhaps if you're not, maybe you can become one of those people because it is our supporters that make all of our resources free. We give away thousands of pieces of information, resources every year to hundreds of thousands of people and it happens because of Rebecca. She became a, a one-year supporting member, $50 recurring. Tracy became a $5 monthly recurring. Katie, $5 a month. Jan became a, a annual recurrer at $150 a year. Uh, Gianni uh, became a $10 monthly supporter, recurring member. Mark is a $50 recurring member. Joe, $50 recurring annually. Dawn, $5 recurring monthly. Nancy, $20 monthly recurring. Lynn, $50 recurring uh, annually. John, J-O-N, $50 recurring uh, every year. 
uh, Aaron and Beth together. Uh, they are uh, supporting us at $30 monthly recurring. Louise, $50 recurring every year. Lisa, $50 recurring every year. Jason, $5 recurring every month. Catherine, $5 recurring every month. Catherine, my youngest daughter's middle name is Catherine. That's a great name. Jennifer, $5 recurring every month. And then we have Radina, who made a $10 uh, she's uh, recurring $10 recurring every month as well. There are several more, but I wanted you to just hear those names and praise God uh, for the folks that are uh, helping us to do the work of this ministry. And if you are able to support us with uh, those folks there, would you do that? Every supporter is important. Every supporter counts. Thank you so much. Let's talk about when hope drives you insane. Now, where I, I got this title is from the movie Shawshank Redemption. I'm not necessarily recommending the movie, but there's a great quote in the movie, and I want to share that dialogue between two inmates. One was named Andy, and the other one was named Red. They were incarcerated, and they weren't getting out anytime soon, and they were struggling, especially Red, was struggling with this idea of hope. But one of the ways, I'll get in that dialogue in just a moment, but one of the ways to think about it is hope is like a man on the end of the rope, and the man is pulling you, and he pulls you to where he is. Now, that's not good, and the reason that's not good is because it doesn't pull you beyond where you need to be. But if you think about it this way, if your hope is beyond your troubles, transcends your troubles, then your hope will not only pull you up to your trouble, but it will pull you through your difficulties, and that's the difference between the two men in Shawshank Prison one of them thought about hope, and it got him no farther than where he was, his present trouble. But the other one, he had hope that was beyond the walls of the prison. And that's the big idea here, and that's where you want your hope, because if it doesn't transcend your present circumstance, you'll find yourself in a heap of trouble. Here's the dialogue between Andy and Red in the movie that I'm not so much recommending, Shawshank Redemption. Andy said, I had Mr. Mozart to keep me company. It was in here. And then he gestures over his heart. That's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Red says, well, I played a mean harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make too much sense in here. Andy says, no, here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Red, forget? Question mark. Andy, he says that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. That there's something inside that they can't get to. That they can't touch. It's yours, Red says. What are you talking about? Andy says, hope. That's what I'm talking about. Red responds, hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is dangerous thing. Hope 
can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. And thus I titled this podcast in this article, When Hope Drives You Insane, which it was doing to Red. You see, Andy had hope that was beyond his trouble, while Red's hope, it was inside the walls of his trouble. Where you place your hope will determine the kind of life that you will experience. Let me give you some illustrations of what I'm talking about. Three fictional illustrations. Mabel's husband committed suicide last year. Without question, it was the most devastating event of her life. Though her days were dark and hard, she endured because she had hope. Illustration two. 24 years ago, Biff's wife left him, taking their children with her. Today, he is flourishing in Christian ministry. It was hope that buoyed him through the dissolution of his marriage. Illustration number three. Someone raped Buffina as a teenager. She was not a Christian at the time. The succeeding years were the darkest of her life. Then she met Christ. He gave her hope. Today, she's a happy and energetic mother of three. Mabel, Biff, and Bethina, they're not unique. They are average people living in a cruel world alongside thousands of other people just like them. But the thing that makes them different is they were willing to do what Red would not allow himself to do. Red was in an unforgiving prison. His way of escape was, well, it was not to set himself up for disappointment by expecting anything better than the cold and disappointing world where he lived. He could not hope. Maybe it's better to say he would not hope. It was too painful. The real truth is that he did hope. He hoped he would not hope. He chose to harden his heart within the walls that surrounded him. He could not see what Andy saw. Though they were sitting beside each other, staring at the same things, dirt, razor wire, cold concrete, Mabel, Biff, Buffina, they saw things differently than Red. They lived in prisons too, but instead of willfully incarcerating themselves inside of their prisons, they chose to cling to hope, something that was outside their prisons. They could see, as the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews eleven twenty seven. I love this verse, talking about Moses when he, when he left Egypt, left Pharaoh, they could see him who was invisible. Because they could see our great invisible God, they had a hope that persevered. This kind of unmerited grace pushed them through their trials and into a place of quiet rest, of security and faith. That is what hope will do for you if you place it in the right thing. You see, Red's hope, I mean, everybody's hope has a destination. Your hope will lead you to a place. Red's hope was in Shawshank Prison and nothing more. That's why he didn't want to think about it, because he had miserable hope. 
His hope was that he was going to die in that prison. And if that is the extent of your hope, then, well, you can understand why Red thought the way that he did. That place was the end for him. That was all that he saw. That was as far as he planned to go. To think otherwise would drive him insane. Hence the title of this podcast and the article. You can find it at rickthomas.net. When hope drives you insane. Andy was different. Andy placed his hope beyond the walls of Shawshank Prison. And that motivated him toward a better day. Eventually, his hope freed him from his prison. His hope kept him alive. It kept him optimistic. It kept him planning for a better day. You see, we're all are like Red or Andy. We have a choice to where we're going to place our hope, and our decision will make all the difference in how we live our lives Everybody is dependent on and subject to the hope they have. What you place your faith in will shape the course of your life as well as determine the quality of your life. Though we are dependent on where our hope takes us, it is our choice as to whether that thing or that person in which we place our hope, what it is, we're dependent upon it, But we can decide what we place it in or who we place it in. You decide what you want to put your confidence in and then buckle up for the ride. Fortunately for the Christian, we don't have the dreary hope of red. And even though Andy set his confidence beyond the walls of Shawshank, it was still not good enough. Now, I know that some of you have already perceived that. You could come back and say, well, what is the real difference between Andy's hope and Red's hope? Well, there is a, a slight difference, but it's only an earthly uh, difference. Uh, Red's hope was in this is the end of the road for him. I'm going to die in this prison on earth. Uh, Red, uh, Andy's hope, rather, it was beyond the prison walls, but at the end of the day, his hope was terrestrial, worldly, cultural, earthly. We're like that, too. Let me give you a few illustrations of people who have terrestrial hope. It's like the guy who found his reputation and identity in his work. That is all that he could hope for, to find comfort. It's like the mother who wraps herself up in the lives of her children. Their vacillating lives control her, and that is the extent of her hope. It's like the girl who found her salvation, I put salvation in quotation marks, in a dating relationship. Her hope, her faith, leaves her feeling empty and eventually hurt. A fourth illustration is like a child who longed for better parents, as though better parents were the people who would ultimately save his life. All of these illustrations represent the extent of a person's hope. And if the extent of their hope does not, is not uh, transcendent as far as transcending this earth, then they will never be able to transcend their troubles entirely. Anytime we place our faith in the things of this world, we will limit ourselves by our short-sighted hope and we will not satisfactory work satisfactorily work through the inevitable difficulties that are most certainly to come. Our hope 
has to be in a place and a person. Both of those things. A place and a person. And that place and that person, they both must transcend our trouble. There's only one place and there's only one person for this kind of hope. The location, the place, is heaven, and the person is Christ. The Savior of the world has conquered the trouble in our lives. And you know what? That is the true meaning of the resurrection. Hope in a resurrected Savior is far superior to all sublunary hopes. You and I have a transcendent faith. That hope is the thing that pulls us along and through our troubles to a place that is out of the reach of our problems. Given we all are hope junkies, we really are, we have to hook our minds onto something. The question is, what is that something that you have hooked your mind and your heart to as a way of finding help for your present circumstance? What is your something? More precisely, what is your hope? I want to take you to 1 Peter, and I want to share a couple of passages. They're conjoined here, a couple of passages, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, and then in a moment I'll look at 1 Peter 3, verses 6 and 7. But remember, contextualize, 1 Peter, it's a letter to people who are struggling and suffering. Now, Peter wanted to write, and he did write to them to help them. He wanted them to set, some of them to set, others to reset their hope on something that would buoy them during their very real uh, difficulties. What Peter was doing, he was giving them hope, but he was giving them hope in a person that they could not see. That person was Christ. He is the hope. In one sense, as way of an analogy, he was saying what Andy was sharing to Red. There is something out there that is real, and though you can't see it, you can hope in it. Andy was sitting in prison, and he couldn't see any farther than Red could see. But he knew there was something out there, and that thing that was out there pulled him along, if only in his mind as he waited for the day that he will experience it. Now, this worldview is what Peter is saying to us. As followers of Jesus Christ, we live differently from the average person. And we do this because we have a living hope made possible by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The people Peter was writing to were living with no power to change things. They could not change their circumstances. Hateful people were killing many of his friends. Hunger and other heartaches were abounding. And Peter desired to point them to something that was greater than the life reversals that they were experiencing. There's a living hope. And he wanted them to know him, Jesus, and to trust him. Here's how he said it in 1 Peter chapter 1. Here's verses 3, 4, and 5. Listen to them carefully. Peter said to his hurting friends who needed transcendent hope, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see what Peter is doing here? There are three big pieces in this last sentence that I shared with you. You're born again. That's the key to get things started. You must be born again. And if you are born again, you have a living hope, and that living hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have something that transcends space and time, transcends our troubles. And so if you are saved, you have a hope. But please understand what that hope is based on is the resurrection of Christ from the dead. That elevates our hope beyond any other kind of hope that you could have on this terrestrial ball. Peter goes on to say, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. There's the place. And you feel the internality of it, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And so Peter is situating their hope in a person and a place. You have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. Though your life may be disappearing beyond your grasp, you have a hope that outlasts this life and is anchored in the life to come. All hope except for hope in Christ dies. Now, I don't want to be dramatic here, but the truth is your job will end your children will die, your marriage will end, and you will die. I don't want to be too morbid. I don't want you you to go there per se, but you know that death kills all earthly hopes. You need an eternal and living faith. I'm not saying you should dismiss human hopes. I hope you have a job. I hope you gain a spouse. I hope you have children if that is your desire. I hope you have a long life. I have many sublunary hopes, and I would recommend that you build your list too. It is excellent to have, I'll call them lesser hopes, but you must hitch all of those hopes to the living hope that you have in Christ. If you do not do this, emptiness An endless chasing for the pot of gold at the end of the mythical rainbow will characterize your life. You'll be frustrated. Your friends will be exasperated. A living hope is different. You anchor it in the future that God has prepared for you, as Peter was saying in 1 Peter 1, 3, 4, and 5 verses. What kind of hope or that kind of hope will radically shape the life you are living now? And though you may not be able to figure out what you're going through today, and it may not make a lot of sense to you if your ultimate hope is in God Almighty, you have a vision that pierces the darkness of your trials, hope does that for you. Think about this idea of trials. What I want to do here as I finish this podcast is I want to take this idea of trials, troubles, pain, and suffering, and I want to do what Peter did 
he conjoins them. He juxtaposes those two ideas of, of suffering to joy. He joined suffering to joy. And you hear this in the next two verses that he shares, verses 6 and 7. He says, he's talking about the being born again and the hope that we have through the resurrection in Christ and an inheritance in heaven. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In this profound section of Scripture, he is juxtaposing, in this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. Only in the Christian life can you conjoin joy, rejoicing, and suffering. The word grieved in this text is the same word used for grief or sorrow during the Savior's anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. Notice the juxtaposition of grief and joy in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. While you are crying out in times of trials... You're also able to be buoyed by the hope that you have in Christ. An authentic, persevering Christian experiences a feeling of real joy, though subdued, while he is going through real trials. Our non-Christian friends cannot possibly understand or experience what I am saying here. Their hope is always in a circumstance, always in an event, always in a person other than Christ. They can never move beyond the disappointment that their self-limiting faith or hope brings them. Tim Keller said it this way, quote, A living hope dramatically alters the relationship between joy and sorrow in your life. A Christian is given a heart by God where he can experience sorrow and joy at the same time without blowing apart. The reason this is so is because of the resurrection of Jesus, which is what Peter was tying all this to in that text. Sorrow is not the end for the Christian. Sorrow is just the means that drives the Christian into Christ, assuming the Christian has a living hope. It is the sorrow that activates and unleashes joy. When the heat of life cranks up in a Christian's life, there is a triggering or an unleashing of refreshing hope in Christ. Hope is like a thermostat that cools down the Christian. Contrarywise, the non-Christian responds with indifference or anger, which is how Red in Shawshank managed his mind his hope was not in Christ, thus relegating himself to humanistic methods to protect himself from the unremitting disappointment that surrounded him. God is calling you to run headlong into the hope that you have in Christ, which is where you will find healing and joy and growth and strength. This perspective is the positive side of trials to teach you to run to the hope that you will only find in Jesus. Paul was talking about this idea in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. Listen to this. He said that we were utterly burdened beyond our strength, that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but 
Here's the divine conjunction. That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He is tying it to the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, you can conclude the Christian experiences sadness more deeply than the average person, and the Christian experiences joy more deeply than the average person. The Christian understands pain and suffering more broadly because he understands the fall of humanity, the death of Christ, and the redemption of individuals more fully. The Christian has a sound theology of suffering. He is not perplexed by trials. He understands why there is suffering. He expects to suffer, and he endures through the pain. The worldly man will deny the pain, run from the pain, ignore the pain, while blaming others for the pain. The Christian lives in a fuller reality of life. Though Christ was in the deepest of agonies in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross, he also experienced a seemingly incomprehensible hope. There was a joy set before him that gave him the strength to endure the most profound agonies known to man. The Christian who has his hope in Christ will be able to not only experience the depths of personal suffering, but will also experience an inexpressible joy that is full of glory. There was no joy set before red, which is why he angrily fought off the hope that Andy was speaking of. For red, that kind of dream would drive him insane. For Andy, hope was his redemption. What kind of hope do you have? Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of RickThomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to RickThomas.net. RickThomas.net.